This is the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey guys, welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. It is your host, the Bowtie Guy. We are here once again with another show fresh off the, uh, the pile for you folks. I want to remind you how to support the show if you want to be a financial supporter of the show. This ministry survives on listeners just like you, and you can text the word MUM to 760-WALLS-CA. That gets us into the walls of the prison in California, and uh, you are helping us by uh, sending that word MUM. You can just become a a monthly supporter. If you don't like to spell out words, it's 760-925-925. 5722. That'll get you our, to our text to give. And we really appreciate everybody who does that. You can also pray for us. You can also just pass this link along. Tell people you heard the show and uh, let people know about it so that uh, they can become part of the, the Mess It Up podcast family as well. Uh, so thanks for sharing. Put us on your Facebook, on your family's morning text to tell everyone you love each other. Just say, hey, check out this podcast. And uh, if you're not happy with it, you can double your money back. Uh, and uh, once again, this is a free podcast. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Our word of the week this week is a fun one. Uh, listener Jonathan sent in a bunch. And this is one of the ones he sent in. It's inscrutable. And inscrutable means that it's uh, it's impossible to understand. You can't interpret it. It just makes no sense. And we're hoping that the podcast is not inscrutable. We're hoping that... Uh, it is understandable and it makes some sense. But if you can use that word in your sentences this week, give yourself the standard 10 bonus points and uh, just keep the good words rolling along as you see fit. Uh, right now, I'm going to welcome in our guest. I was at CR Summit. You might know if you've been listening to the show the last couple of weeks, we were at Summit. And this is a friend that I met, uh, part of my forever family in uh, the CR family. He's up in Northern California, but right now he's in your ears. Welcome to the show, Brad. Well, thank you, Paul. It was, um, certainly wasn't at this time last week. I, this is the last thing I thought I'd be doing, but I also believe going down to the summit, God had something, some stuff planned. and um, God was doing some crazy things at summit. Uh, I was up on uh, the stage uh, at uh, Super Tuesday. I was up on the stage uh, with um other people i got to speak at several breakouts and i had zero of that planned absolutely none of that was planned it was all spur of the moment stuff and so and this was my uh you know i've been going to summit since 2003 and so this was a crazy summit and god was doing some weird stuff but i really like seeing where he's taking us so um Brad's got a uh, a story. I want you guys to buckle up right now. Reach over, get that seatbelt, tighten up those uh, those uh, shoulder belts, and make sure you're locked in. Brad, take us on a ride. I'll take you on a ride. Um, a ride that only God could plan, and a ride that um, only God could plan. I mean, I I trust. Here's the story. So let me give you just a little bit of family background. Not a lot of family background, but. I'll be first of all. I'll be 72 years old come um, this October. Um, Woo! You say 1951 when I was born down. It's always been in California. Always been in the uh, Bay Area. Um, I was born. My parents were Jewish. Um, we never practiced the. Um, we never practiced that faith. Um, other than um, when the holidays would come up, 
we would uh, we would do those, but we didn't do synagogues and stuff like that. I also have an older brother, um, three or four years older than me, but we, our family was also very dysfunctional. My mother, um, I was the youngest, and my mom was. Um, I was laughing. I don't remember. It's um, it's an interesting thing that I do not recall a lot of things from my childhood. And that actually my friends that have known me for years remind me what a nice guy I was. And I always thought I was not a <laughs> nice guy, you know, and, and uh, but, you know, my mom, uh, as I grew older, I realized she cheated on my dad. A few, you know, she cheated on my dad a few times. Uh, I guess you know, and she was um, if she was in today's world, she would have been bipolar without a doubt. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. She was alcoholic. She could be the most beautiful, wonderful woman to me on her birthday and stuff. And she could be absolutely whatever other day so you don't know so there you don't know what you're going to get in there right there the beginning of um trusting someone as far as love and being loved and trusting people at that seed was being planted my father was um a wonderful man he was a plumber uh bernard bennett and uh he stayed in the marriage and he was a good man. I got my heart. I know my good heart. The part I have, the humor I have came from my dad. He was a hard worker. And he always, even in my drug struggles, my struggles of sobriety back even in my 40s and my 50s when he was still alive, even to, he would always say, you can do this. You're better than this. You can do this. He always encouraged me. He also enabled me with, yeah. people, but that's, and then my brother, my brother and I um, were never close. He was like a James Dean, a rebel. Um, he, he, he had, we had this thing in our family called psoriasis, a skin disease, which my mother and brother got. I never did. Um, I guess he had resentments there and we were never close. So our family was scattered. We, we all were going our separate ways in survival, you could say. And so at a young age, what happened for me is I got involved in, um, sports. I love sports, um, playing them. I never tried to excel in them because I've never shown how to excel. I always figured even through sobriety and recovery meetings, like secular meetings that everyone deserves sobriety, except me, that everybody was better mm. than me and that everybody got it on the first try. And uh, yeah. I grew up with a lot of guilt and shame. I was kicked off the block when I was 12 years old. I was kicked off the block because my mother had upset another mother around the corner and they kicked me off the block. Um, so I had that shame. And growing up back in the 50s, in the Jewish part of it, we had that shame. So I grew up with a lot of guilt and shame. Um, I lost myself in sports. I lost myself in games. And then I slowly started changing. I say 15 years old. I wanted to be loved. You know, I wanted a girlfriend. I didn't know how to have a girlfriend. And I was just I started, my, my addictions probably started when I was 16, when I drank for the first time and I enjoyed it and it made mm-hmm. me feel like somebody. And then I got into, you know, we struggled with porn. That's, you know, people struggle with porn. I got into porn at a young age and I got into, and I started doing that at 16, 17, 18, 19. Um, I never held a job. I never went out and looked for a job. I always worked for my dad, got paid when I wanted to get paid. Anyway, I met my first wife. In uh, 1975, her dad had a hardware store. I didn't have to go looking for a job. They liked to drink, her parents. So did my wife at the time. And uh, we got married. Camelot. I'm fixed, you know. I've got everything. I don't have to do anything. And uh, when my wife became pregnant, her drinking stopped and never to resume. 
And my partying continued on, and my buddies and football games, 49er games, Giants games, tailgating. The alcohol became excessive. Um, and what happened was uh, I started, back then they had a newspaper in the Bay Area called the Berkeley Barb, and I started answering adult ads and going off and doing, and paying, you know, paying to have things, to have um, excursions. So I got hooked into that kind of, that part of the world. Um, I got divorced in 86. Um, I went to rehab for the first time. Her parents fired me when I got out of rehab because I guess they didn't want to deal with my, with having anything to do with alcohol. I don't know. I got fired in 86. My wife stayed with me, but I was told if I ever drank again, um, I would lose my marriage. And I was sober 88 days. I was going to meetings and I drank. And my marriage, the next day my stuff was on the porch and I was out to dad's house. I went. Mm-hmm. I lived with my dad for a couple of years and then I met my, I started getting into drugs. And from my progression, disease addiction is a progression. So for a case for me, you know, I had the sexual addiction going on at a young age. I learned how not to look for love, but pay for love. Um, all things that bring on that guilt and shame stuff. And then I started drinking. And when mm-hmm. drinking wasn't enough, I started smoking pot. When pot wasn't enough, someone introduced me to cocaine. I did a little cocaine. And then finally, I met my um, second wife. And uh, that ended. I was sober for a year. And then that ended when I continued on with my way with my the drugs. Um, I met my third wife eventually. That was back when I was um, 1996. I met her. We were married nine and a half years. Solid Christian. The fact we didn't kill each other is still to this day amazes me because she tried her best to get me to surrender everything to Jesus Christ. And um, what happened for me on the whole addiction thing is, as I was saying about the marijuana, the coke, well, in the late 80s, cocaine showed up. I'm in San Francisco. I discovered that. And um, off I went on that. Um, all during this time, I always had a job. I've only had three jobs in my life. The one with my first wife was 10 years, 12 years. Then I had a second job, which went, um, actually four jobs, another 10 years, another job for 10 years, and the job I have today, which I've had will be going on 10 years in February. Um, so I always held a job. I always looked good. Um, what would happen in 80, so I'm doing all the crack in the city, and that, you know, when you put the drugs in your system, that leads you into other behaviors that are um, risky, and um, that didn't stop me. And uh, I kept on doing this stuff. Then in 92, I um, I remember that well, what year it was. I was doing what I was doing in San Francisco with the people I was doing it with. And um, I was high and uh, someone was doing was doing interject, was injecting drugs. I heard that was cool and I asked that they would do that. And they did that to me. And a tremendous amount of guilt came over me the next day, whatever went on that night. Um, and for whatever reason, though, I, I liked it. it. It took me totally out of control. And from 92 until 2014, I allowed people to do that periodically. And, I, you know, and I'm thinking, I mean, I didn't do it every week or whatever, but maybe even at a rest estimate of 10 times a year, and it was more than that, but even if it was 10 times a year over a 20-year period. That's a lot of times where you don't know if the needle's clean. You don't know if you got, you know, anyway, all that stuff. And yet... And that was... That was meth. That was heroin. What were you? It, didn't, it was meth. It was meth. I tried heroin twice, believe it or not, I didn't like it. Um, but it was mainly meth. Uh, sometimes it was a mixture okay. of meth and coke. Um, 
And I got into very shameful behavior after the drugs were in me. Because once the drugs were in me, it was like, I'm no longer me. I can be whatever I want to be. Um, yeah. I went through probably seven um, HIV tests over the period of that time. I remember the first one I had, I fell to my knees and crying out, thank God I don't have it, but it didn't stop me. So all that behavior was going on. And then in 98, I was in rehab for like the fourth time. And uh, I met a girl who was a Christian and uh, she took me to church and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Mm. And I thought my world, well, that was it. I was done. When I was 50 years old, I thought I would be done. I was too old to do this stuff anymore. But no, what happened is um, I met my third wife after that. We were married nine and a half years. And in 2007, I got divorced the third time. I never really lived on my own. <laughs> I bought a condominium. I gave her everything. And I told the lawyer, I said, all I want is enough to start over again. And I bought a little condo in 2007, which I still have. Um, and while I was signing the papers to close, I get a phone call from my doctor that I have uh, hepatitis C. Mm. I'll never forget, I came back to the desk and signed the papers and the gals looked at me and go, are you okay? And I said, well, doctor says I'm going to be okay. So anyway, in 2007, I did get hep C. I decided to do the uh, 48-week Inferon treatment and I was cured. It's gone. And during this time, I was also introduced to a movie called Facing the Giants. So anyone listening mm. to this, if you want to watch that movie, you'll see that encouraged me, along with Bruce Springsteen and all his concerts. Bruce would show up all the time. Over these, all these years, he would always show up when I needed to hear him. And I'd go there, and I'd have some hope and all that stuff. So in 07, I moved into Rona Park and up in the Santa Rosa area. And from 07 to 20, um, uh, 2017, um, I like to look back at that time now as that was a battle for my soul between the devil and God. Now I want to look at that mm -hmm. in my life. What happened is I stopped doing a needle. I quit doing a needle in 2014, but I kept smoking the meth. And then I got on, they don't do it anymore. But at the time in Craigslist, you had personal ads. And in Craigslist, I, started, I figured out how to use the ads to find meth. And uh, the next thing you know, I coming and going to people's houses. They're coming and coming to my house. Strangers I do not know, middle of the night. Again, despicable behavior after the drugs. And I, it was like, it was unbelievable. And I'm now like 63, 64 years old. And this stuff is still going on. So to kind of, you know, I had an incident in 2014. I'll give you an example of God has watched over me. You know, during this whole time, Prior to my sobriety date, which is October 3rd, October 4th, 2017, prior to this time, I kept going to church. I kept reading my Bible, and I would pray to God. I was I would, sometimes I would just say, "Why am I reading your Bible? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm living wrong. Why am I reading this Bible? I don't want to do this, and I'm doing it. And yeah, here I stand. I mean, I got people that got sober with me in '86 that are dead today, Paul. I mean, they're dead and they stayed sober." The people I did drugs with in the city, they're dead. And here I stand, yeah. you know, um, it's, it's just so and I would say to God, I said, you made me, you know, I have a good heart. Help me find it. And the other thing I would say to pray to God is all the people that have passed in my life. Don't let them be victims, of, you know, the train wrecks, you know, let me take the penalties. Don't let them, don't punish them. So, right. So what happens is in October, I got a car in 2014, a Honda Fit, which I still have. I had it for a month. I went online. 
I met somebody. They came to my house. They brought meth. We smoked it. And they go, can I take a shower and change? I said, sure. They went upstairs. They said, you want more? And they left. And I stood on my couch doing what I do, smoking it, and I fell asleep. I wake up at 6.30 in the morning. The car is one month old, mind you. Brand new. First one. It's gone. They stole it. Mm. Eight hours later, I get a call from the Sacramento, up in Sacramento. They recovered my car. Again, God brings the car back, and I'm driving it today. So to finish up this first half, what happened to me on October 4th of 2017 is I was doing meth. I wanted to do more. The people I was doing it with could not... I couldn't go over there, so I went there and brought some home. I put an ad on uh, Craigslist. Someone came to my house. They came over about midnight. We, we partied until 6 in the morning, and I said to them they had to leave. But as they were walking out my door, they handed me a 24-hour sobriety chip, and they said to me, you're going to need this more than me. They walked out my door, mm-hmm. never to be seen again. I never saw them again. I went upstairs. I looked in the mirror. For your older listeners, I looked like Walter Brennan from the real McCoys. That's who I saw. <laughs> and I pointed to Mary and I said, you have no one to blame but yourself. And then I yeah. said to God, I survived it up to now. I'm 66 years old. This could go on another 10 or 15 years. I don't want that. I just want a little joy. And he answered me with four things to do. One and four I still do. One is go back to church. Put me first. Number four is don't look back. Anything is possible. Two is block the source of addiction, which I went to the company I work for, Golden State Lumber. I'll give them a plug. And um, they, <laughs> the IT department blocked my um, phones. I couldn't do that. Number three was go get some therapy, which was confirmed at the summit. And I did that. I thought I was bat baloney crazy, and I would be in therapy the rest of my life. And that was eight months, and the therapist dismissed me, saying, you're done. You've accomplished what you came here to do. And I had her have to her to remind me what it was. <laughs> Seriously. And um, then 10 minutes later, I meet my wife. And uh, I met her on a – she had an ad on the phone, and it said that she was a Christian and that she has an she ran from God and became an atheist and made a big error there and returned to God and told about the abusive husband she had, relationship she had, two of them. And I read this ad. She was 70 miles away. And, I, and, I, and I'm in the parking lot and I, at the gym. And I just looked at it and I said, she's too, she's, too, she's too beautiful. She's 70 miles away. And with my backstory of 10 months of history of relapses and 10 months only of sobriety. And, but her profile let me know that I could help her understand what she went through with the man. So I reached out to her and the goal was to help her understand why a man would do that. Because I was that kind of man. And uh, Lord would God know that he was going to show up fool me. And not only was I going to reach out to her, that I was uh, going to be my wife and lead to where we are today, which is Celebrate Recovery in Pleasant Hill. So that's kind of the story for now. I mean, that's it. There's so much more to it. But where I'm going with this is, and we can talk about more you know, after the break, I guess, is it's not too late to change, first of all. It's just not. And we, right. and as we both learned at Celebrate Recovery down at the summit, we are whatever we are, wherever we are, if we're struggling with addiction right now, if we're, if we're an alcoholic, we've been an alcoholic, or we're still, and we go to recovery and we try and we try and we try and we don't get it. And then we we, we believe, we then we learn, we get the thing of we're going to fail all the time. I have friends yeah. and I told them what was going on in my life and they said, Brad, we've heard this before. And I said to them, look, I get it. 
I'll fail though if I have you guys in my life right now. If you can't support me on this, I need to be, you need to be out of my life. They're in my life today. What I'm getting at is brand new life God will give us. And it's not yes. like to change. And the only reason I'm still here and, I, and no one will ever change my mind is um, you don't want to get my story. I mean, people would get recovery. Don't get me wrong. Recovery happens for everybody at every age. But I don't know too many people that hadn't given, either gave up, OD, died or whatever, homeless at my age. And for me, for anyone to look at me, you met me, you never know the story. You never yeah. know it. And um, my goal, my job, so in a nutshell, what God did for me that morning, as I look back at it three years into recovery and I look at it today, I know what happened that morning of October 4th, 2017. The most sincere prayer of my life would be, I ask for joy, which they sing that song, joy, 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 the eyes, that's crazy. Um, I believe God leaned over, picked me up and said, you never give up your faith. I'll take it from here. And you tell people what I've done for you. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. And, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen. We were talking beforehand. And, and Brad, you're fixing to go to what show? What number? My 21st show. It'll be at Gillette Stadium where the New England Patriots play football. Um, it'll be my wife's first show. And I want to give her the full experience. So we're on the field. And um, <laughs> if I may say one more thing quickly, and it's funny. I went to Broadway when he was doing during the pandemic. He did the show on Broadway. And when all this happened to me, I was 10 months clean and sober. I went to New York to Broadway to celebrate that. I finally knew I was on the other side. And what happened was I figured I was going to a show that night and I would have this experience. But what happened that day is I'm walking through New York City and I'm old, right? I got a lot of history. And I'm thinking of the Mary Tyler Moore show and the opening of the Mary Tyler Moore show where she's walking through Minneapolis. She throws her hat in the air. And she says, I says, looks like you're going to make it now, girl. Paul, I'm not kidding you. I had that vision and I start crying in New York city and I knew it was over. Cause I went to the show that night. Yeah. I once. So there. <laughs> nice. Well, we're going to, we're going to jump into a uh, 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 Bruce Springsteen song here for our song of the week. This is a song called land of hope and dreams we're going to give you about 90 seconds of it we'll be back on the other side to talk about that and talk about where brad's ministry is going now so here's 90 seconds of the boss with land of hope and dreams Don't know where you're going now 
There you go. Bruce Springsteen. My opinion, you can never go wrong with the boss. Uh, Bruce is uh, definitely the man. I've only seen him once. Uh, you're going, you know, in the 20s there. But Bruce or Bruce, I just called you Bruce. Brad, why this song? What stands out in this song to you? What 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 does this song mean to you? It talks about losers and winners, saints and sinners. Talks about your faith be rewarded. Talks about that train that everyone, the people that get on that train, a lot of people, family, friends, they want to make us outcasts. We're outcasts because we struggle with what we struggle with. And that train brings you to freedom. It brings you that land of hope and dreams. I, I could never, the life I have today, and I'm not talking about financially, I'm talking about within, I, I could never have dreamt. I can never hope for, let alone dream to have this kind of life I'm having, the freedom and to be able to help others yeah. and be used to help others. I, I can't say enough about, and it was Bruce Springsteen used to have another song, which there were two other songs. You know, I know one was uh, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, which was my theme song, One Step Up and Two Steps Back. Two Steps Back. And that's bar, yeah. you know, thinking that, that was one. Yeah. And then back in uh, mid-2000s, the late 2000s, he came out with, I think it was on the working working dream working on a dream album i think it was and it was um your own worst enemy which i was oh yeah i have a friend his name is arthur who's he's older than me i met him at another church a few years ago and he was in prison for many years but he's clean and sober for that but he was in prison and our stories relate a lot as far as our belief in god but it, 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 here's the thing People can be in prison. Like for Arthur, he survived being in prison. I created my own prison and survived. Mm -hmm. There's two types of prisons here. Yeah. God lets us out of both of them if we're willing to trust him. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 how do I say this? I just know what he's done in my life. And, and I also know I'm the same person that would be skeptical of anybody saying that earlier in my life said to me, I had this spiritual experience. Like I had a summit when I twice at the summit, as I shared with you twice at the summit. Yeah. I got out of my seat and I stood and I raised and I cried and I trembled and I raised my hands and I, and I had a bright light. And my, my the two other people besides my wife that went, we went down to CR. They all said, Brad, you've never seen that. And I said, well, yeah, he made it very clear what he wants. And he wants our complete worship. And he wants, yeah. I mean, Paul, I don't want to harp on the summit, but I'll tell you one thing I'll never forget about the summit. And I share this all the time with people. Look, we all, we go to church and we have in common, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and God. And most of us, some of us go there as non-believers and become believers. But to be where we were with 3,000 people, worshiping God, <laughs> knowing that they all have been touched in some place in there to recover from something. We have that in common. Mm -hmm. When you have that and you add that, the other thing we have in common is we want to tell people and help people overcome what we vote, what God has done for us. Well, you have those two components and there's no like, uh, 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 maybe this person. That was so powerful. I, I can't yeah. resist anybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, as I'm looking at this song that you brought in, uh, I never thought of it in, in terms of recovery, but it's a great recovery song. It, it says, you know, we'll take what we can carry. Yeah. And we'll leave the rest. We're, we're leaving all that garbage, but we're not leaving everything. 
we're taking our story. You're sharing your story with people. And then um, uh, I love in the, the next part, it says, uh, tomorrow there'll be sunshine and all this darkness passed. And that's what we got to look forward to is that sunshine. You know, it, like you said, it's never too late. It can always happen. And, and maybe you feel like you're at the end of your rope. And, and how old were you, Brad, when I you finally got three weeks away from my 66th birthday? Mercy, mercy, 66 and still able to to make that change. It's never too late until we stop sucking air. No, it's that, never too late that to morning, make that change. This, this that morning, this might help someone, hopefully. So when I would go to AA and NA, and I had some periods of sobriety, it wasn't like I was nonstop all these years. Um, I, when it came to the part about being rigorous, honest, rigorous honesty, I yeah. always knew I was holding back going to therapy. So that morning when God put number three in my head, go get some help to unscrew your head, because I'll be quite honest with you. I was questioned my sexuality. I questioned my sanity. I didn't know who I was anymore because of the history, the stories and the, re, the constant failures yeah. and the drugs and the alcohol and all that stuff. And I knew when he told me that, I knew I had to do that. And I knew that at that point, if that didn't work, help me, game over. You know, all the chips on the table, recovery is not yeah. happening in my lifetime. Because I will now have done everything yeah. God asked. But now he's asking this, which this part's the, the greatest joy. My passion comes from doing what I'm doing with you right now, what I did when you saw me a little bit down at the summit, when I met your wife. I mean, you know, all these things. My passion, I did it today to a customer on the phone. I told him the story. Because... Yeah. You know, everyone has it. How do you reach people, right? We all look for that. You're always looking for that in and out type of thing, right? Well, I tell everyone, I told your wife, I told you, I told you before we start today, God has given me the great, I'm like, I'm no, I'm no rock. I'm no like um, Elvis Presley, a good looking guy. I'm a decent looking guy for an old guy. What I'm getting at is he's given me the greatest opening line in the world because I can tell people, I tell people my age because I know they're going to say you look great. And I get to tell him, well, let me tell you where I was six years ago. I can never take credit yeah. for what God has done in my life. And um, and now I look at it this way. I tell my wife this, and I'm glad you're part of this. When we left the summit, I said to my wife, and it wasn't planned. I said, we just finished phase one of our season. <laughs> phase one is complete. And now we go to phase two. And phase two is growing it, networking with other CRs. We have mm -hmm. CR in Alamo, the Alamo CR over here. They have a CR on Monday nights in Contra Costa County. Um, there's one by the Bay Church in Pittsburgh down on Thursday nights. We are Oak Park Christian Center in Pleasant Hill on Tuesday nights, um, which is tonight. And boy, I hope they're ready because they're going to see a, they're going to see their leaders going to have. Oh my, this is going to be a fun night tonight. Oh, something's gotten into Brad. Oh, something's got. Oh, my pastor, unbelievable. He's like, we got him. On, he's at the pulpit. Says these guys are on fire. We're all. My wife and I are on fire. We know what we're doing next. You know. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, my boss isn't going on. You're not doing this for a couple of weeks, so my boss doesn't know it until tomorrow when I meet with him. But I'm gonna let him know, and he knows my story, and he knows what I want to do with it. He's gonna know tomorrow that there's an end game. Yeah. You're doing what I told people at, at Summit, you know, on, on Friday, people are kind of driving. And I said, hey, people, day one energy. 
to have day one energy. That energy, when you first come to Summit, you're like, yeah, we're going. We're just running and jumping and screaming and hollering. Day one energy every single day. Remember that day because the only coin that I carry around, I've got my coins. i got a 20-year coin. I've got those, but the only one I keep in my pocket is my my one-day chip, my blue chip, that first one. And it right now, it's a scuffed up piece of blue plastic. There is no writing. You could not do any CSI on it. You would not know what that was if you didn't know what it was, but I know what it is. And that reminds me, it's never too late. And even if I trip and fall on my face 20 years later, I can get back up, start marching again. And um, that is that is such a great message that it's never too late. I just I love that. Um, what I what I you know being in CR, I've learned to be you, know, you got to learn to be non-judgmental. And when I tell people CR, I said someone comes up to me and I said, look, I care that your what your every your hurt hang up habit is you're dealing. I absolutely care about that, and God's delivering you from that. But I, I just said, look, I don't whatever went on an hour ago in your life, it doesn't matter at this point. Because you can still have whatever you want. I mean, that morning, yeah. October 4th, he also gave me a visual of two feet walking forward. And he said to me, God said to me, or playing in my head, doctor, lawyer, podcaster, doesn't matter what you do in your life, uh, a college graduate, we all start at zero. So even though you failed up to a point, if you're willing to surrender, if you're willing to let your walls down, you never have to go back again, no matter where you are in your life. And I'm a walking, talking, living example of that. Yeah. I mean, look, I got 50 family members I never knew, Paul. I got 50 family members from my wife's side. I didn't know these people five years ago. I got a, someone's, my step-granddaughter's 15 and a half, right? Her mother, her grandmother, her father, her, her friends. No, she's going to Taylor Swift Friday night here at Levi Stadium. You know who's taking her? Me. <laughs> it's, you don't write this stuff. I'm not talking about I get to see Taylor. I'm talking about the family lets me take her. And these people yeah. tried to stop our wedding five years ago because of my history. Yeah. It's God. Yeah. God is. God is bigger than what we can even imagine. Yep. And he loves yep. us. He does he loves, fun, amazing stuff. He loves us more than we can ever imagine. Yeah. And he's never left us. And you can't yeah. run from his love. I tried. Boy, did I try. You know? Um, as far as the future of our CR, my vision of our CR, that's why I can put our vision with me, what happened with me at church Sunday after after we, we came over after the church service because we were busy at the Revived. And I went up to Pastor Sean at Oak Park Christian Center in Pleasant Hill again. Pastor Sean, Pastor Poncho, Pastor Leslie. Um, uh, wonderful church, by the way. Um I went up to him and I was on fire and he knew it because he got the report but we're driving back from the other from Pastor Poncho we were on fire for this thing on Saturday. I went up to him and I said to him, I go, you know, we have thirty we average thirty-five at our CR right now, thirty to thirty-five. And I said to him, in a room could probably hold a hundred. So my wife and I made a goal of a hundred people to come to our in our CR a year from now. So I went to Pastor Sean and I said so, Pastor, I think the only thing you really have to worry, you don't have to worry about your leadership. The only thing you really got to worry about, Pastor, is where are we going to go when we outgrow the CMC room? And there you go. Even, and without him even blinking an eye, he turns around and points to the sanctuary right there. Yeah. Nice. And we want to create, we want to create, 
We want, we're going, we are creative. We've begun. We're going to create a brochure. We want the CRs. We want all the CRs known in Contra Costa County. That there's a meeting every night, and we want. We're all going to work together to promote our the CR to get people to come. And that's outstanding. And then I'm hoping by February that we're in. A, I'm in a position where when I retire, um, I'm going to be knocking on churches' doors and going places and spreading what CR can do, and bringing people in the word and everybody. <laughs> Guess what I'm going to say? Everybody needs to experience CR. Yeah. It's yeah. about addiction only. It's about so much. And it's yeah. like, this is why I'm still here. And I, and, That's yeah, great. I, this is why I'm still here, you know? And, and now I'm on the bandwagon, and I can't wait for next year's summit. I can't wait. Outstanding. It's going to be great. Yeah. Going to be great. Yeah. No time like the present. It's, um, and 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 what's the the theme of next year's summit? I don't know. I didn't hear it. It's never too late. Are you serious? I gotta be a demo. No, Maybe I can get five minutes. <laughs> That's right, brother. That's right. That's right. Put me out there for five or ten minutes, man. Ah. Yeah. It's um. You know what? My eyes. I got. I, I when I went to Seattle, I actually it's kind of cute. So I go to Seattle to see the show in Seattle. And I get an Uber. I've never taken an Uber before until, until what, February, a couple months ago. And there's a Muslim driving. And he's talking about his faith, which is great. And I'm talking about mine. We get to the, to the hotel, he turns around and says, you got to get your word out. You need to tell people about this. You need a YouTube channel, that kind of thing. And I don't want to do that stuff. So anyway, that was then. So now on my way home, I get another Uber. It's another Muslim. This time he's got an actual Koran. And he hands it to me and he starts saying, you need to read this. And he's, and I start doing my thing and he does the same thing. You need to tell your story. I mean, this thing is everywhere, you know, and people have to tell their story. I want, and I want to finish up with this. Dave Dutrecki, Dave Dutrecki, pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, had cancer, had to lose his arm, went through a terrible mm-hmm. depression for a couple of years, almost lost his marriage. And I saw him on a talk show and now he's ministered and talked to so many people about, right? And he said something that I still remember today. And I'll, I'll say that, and I'm going to say one other thing, and I'm going to stop. And that is, he said, everybody has a story. Everybody. And they need to tell their story. Every one of us. Yeah. That, I learned that from him. And then the thing I stuck out of Celebrate Recovery at the summit, free people, free people. Oh, wow. Free people. I like that. You and me. If we tell our stories, we can help free people. And that goes yeah. to everybody who's listening to this. Yeah. And that's the theme of my second book, uh, Piece by Piece, is that everybody's got a story that someone needs to hear. And that's why we're here doing this. Brad, thank you so much for being willing to go out here. I mean, you're going out all over America, but also, I mean, we've got listeners in Amsterdam and across Europe. Uh, so you you just went worldwide, brother. Whoa. Uh, so thanks for being bold enough to do that. We appreciate it uh, so much. Uh, for the, you listeners, if you've got a story like Brad's, or even if you don't have a story like Brad's, if you've got a story, people need to hear the story. And the only way we can hear the story is if you tell it. So email me at bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com or do like listener Jonathan did. Just shoot me a text, 760-608-1942. 
I'm looking for song of the week now. I, I, Brad, uh, not Brad. Jonathan's got me taken care of through almost through September with my words, but I'm 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 scraping the barrel on my songs of the week. So send in some song of the week suggestions. Um, and hey, I want to put your story out there. It's just as easy as a phone call. All you got to do is talk. No one sees your face. You know the drill, people. You've been listening. Share the podcast with people. Get this story out. If you feel like uh, supporting us financially, text the word mom to 760-WALLS-CA. That's 925-5722. And uh, listen, we'll see you next time we mess it up. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Mess it up.